I'm excited for you to hear, be here this morning as we're starting this new series called Jesus Centered. And this series is actually based on a book uh, by Steve Brown called Jesus Centered. He's the president of Arrow Leadership. If you'd like a copy of that book, you can let me know. We can order some copies. You have to pay, but we can order some copies. Uh, but it's inspired by it and kind of centers around this idea of how do you get your life in such a way in 2023 to uh, be centered around who Jesus is, to be led more by Jesus, to lead and live more like Jesus, and to lead people to Jesus. And so as we're in this series, we're going to be exploring what all that means for us in 2023 to be followers of Jesus. And we're going to start off with kind of an assessment a little bit of where we are with Jesus. Uh, There's an analogy or an illustration a long time ago I heard, I think I first read it in a book by Andy Stanley, about how our relationship with Jesus is like a house. And I read this maybe 15 years ago. And over the years, this illustration uh, has changed for me. I've kind of added to it, probably not as good as the original illustration, but you're going to get what you get today. So the idea behind this is that, like a house, there are different rooms. And each of those rooms is a different representation of our intimacy with God, so where we are in our relationship. So for some people, you know, they're actually out on the street. Maybe it's a sidewalk, whatever it is, you're not, you're not interested in Jesus, right? And that's, that's okay. It's good to self-assess. You're like, you maybe even go to church, but you, you're just, you're really not interested in Jesus. You just like the coffee, and that's okay too. For others of us, we're interested in Jesus. We're exploring Jesus, maybe a little unsure about who Jesus is, and you're kind of like on the front step or porch or whatever. And it's like you're looking into the house saying, maybe, but you're not sure yet. You're exploring. For others of us, we, we get in the door. You're in like the foyer area. You know, you're like, yep, I like Jesus. I want to consider myself a follower of him to some degree. I will commit my life, say, Jesus is Lord. I believe he died and rose again for me. And I like it like that. Let's leave it there. Maybe I don't read my Bible, maybe I don't pray, but I believe, and you're in the door. You're in the foyer. And then there's the kitchen. Oh, actually, the, the dining room, which I can't spell. I'm glad this is a place of forgiveness. You're eating a meal with Jesus, right? So you have this level of intimacy where you commit yourself to being with Jesus. So this means like practicing things like reading your Bible or fasting or praying or going to church or giving or those kind of things. So you have this level of intimacy going with Jesus. And then this is where I kind of deviated from the initial analogy. There's the kitchen. And in the kitchen is where you're, well, what do you do in a kitchen? I know in my house, if we're, you're over and we're hanging out, the most intimate place is the kitchen. Because that's where, you know, there's one thing to serve people food. It's another thing to make food with people. If you ever made food with people, it's infuriating. But if someone lets you make food with them, it means they really love you and you really love them. 
There's an intimacy there where you're serving with Jesus. So you're alongside with Jesus in this. So this transition is from the you're devoted to Jesus, you're with Jesus, and you're exploring that, and you keep that intimacy there, but then you move into the service alongside Jesus. And you're with him, and you know when you serve, when you go to Lionheart's on Friday or Saturday to sort food, you're doing that. Why? Not because you like to do good things, but because you are with Jesus in that. When you serve in Sunday school or youth group or Sunday morning singing or on cameras or doing the chat online, you do that. Why? Not just because you like to do good things, but because you are with Jesus. So this is an analogy that I said a long time ago. People have used it in different ways. When I used to be a youth pastor, one of the volunteers used to use it as an analogy was a restaurant. Like, where do you sit in the restaurant with Jesus? I've done other ones like that. Julian's been using this a little bit with the youth. And it's just one that seems to keep coming up in my life with Jesus a lot. In fact, I was away this summer with a group of, of men that we have like a peer accountability and mentoring group together uh, called the Leading Edge Cluster, part of Arrow Leadership. And we were in Colorado, and this is one of the things that one of our, like the guy who facilitates it, Taylor, brought up. He brought this illustration up as we were having this conversation of like, well, where are you with Jesus? You know, and so we were talking about this, and I was thinking, as we were having this conversation, we're like, okay, well, Jesus, Jesus is in the kitchen, right? Because that's where all the service is happening and all those kind of things. And so we asked around, we all asked those questions. And in his analogy, there was no kitchen. So I brought in the kitchen. I'm like, yeah, you know where I am with Jesus? I am, at least this is what I think I look like, in the kitchen. I am in the kitchen with Jesus. We are we are making pasta. We are barbecuing. I don't know how you barbecue in a kitchen, but we do it. And we are going to feed the masses. We are going to serve alongside each other, and I love being with him. And I was like, yes, that is my answer. And Taylor, who is a wonderful, wise person who drives me nuts because he's way wiser than I am, he says, Rob, that's great, but don't forget to sit down and eat with Jesus. And I thought, hmm, you just ruined my awesome answer but thank you. Because sometimes I could be so about, I'm with Jesus, I'm doing this stuff, I'm not taking the moments to sit with Jesus. And because the reality is, in this house, while it demonstrates the intimacy level, Jesus is everywhere. Jesus is in the dining room. Jesus is in the foyer. Jesus is on the front step. We'll even be on the street. Why? Because we're there. And so while we want to be moving into the house, Jesus is there. Our movement is what the difference is. And so this illustration, this idea, uh, to me, is also illustrated in Scripture. It's illustrated in uh, who we're meant to be, like what Jesus invites us into in our lives, how we can live a life of faith and a life that reflects who he is. And it's also just in the stories that unfold and the encounters that happen in Scripture. One of those encounters is one that some of us might be very familiar with, which is the story of Martha and Mary. If you've been to church for a while, it's a passage that some of you have been exposed to. You've heard people preach on it. You've read it yourself. If you've been part of one of those Bible reading programs, you've read it in the Gospels. So you're familiar with it. And sometimes that familiarity can make us miss some things that are going on there. And my hope this morning, my prayer this morning for us is that as we look at this story, as we pause on it, we can reflect on it in our own way for ourselves. 
and make ourselves ask the question, well, maybe who am I in this story? Or what room am I in in this house? And where is Jesus in relationship to that? So the story comes up in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 10. And so Jesus has been teaching. There's a wonderful story just before this, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And he's teaching, and then they're traveling. And so it says this in Luke 10, starting at verse 38. It says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. Now, this is a very common practice in the Eastern world. Some of you are very familiar with that, is that you show hospitality. So he is welcomed into this home and is being shown hospitality. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Let's pause there. So again, we're familiar maybe with the story for some of us if we've been in church for a while. Maybe we aren't, haven't been in church for a while, so this is maybe newer to us and you have an advantage when that's new. So the story, there's Mary, there's Martha. Martha opens up her home. It's interesting they say it's Martha's home, not Mary's home. So Martha opens up her home, invites Jesus and his followers in, and she's in the kitchen. She's making a meal. She's going to make it great. They're going to have a wonderful meal. She's doing all the preparations. And she glances into the living room, and she's like, why is Mary there? There's a couple things going on here that's easy to glance at and pass. One of them is the language of sitting at his feet. The language of sitting at his feet, when you sit at the feet of a rabbi, means you are a follower of that rabbi in the first century world. As a follower of someone who sits at their feet, they are listening to the rabbi. Makes sense? They're right there. But as they listen, they look to apply into their life what they're hearing. They are a disciple. Women don't sit at the feet of rabbis. Ever. Mary broke a cultural standard. Jesus should have known. Martha doesn't like it. Martha says, tell her to help me. Why? Because that's her place in the kitchen. That's where women belong. It's not me, it's them. I'm not saying that. Someone's going to clip this on the internet and it's going to be horrible. Culturally, for their time, for their world, to have a woman to sit at a rabbi's feet was inappropriate, not just for the woman, but for the rabbi. He would be disqualified. She would be cast out. Not going to happen. But it's happening. And it's happening with Jesus. So why is Jesus doing this? Well, he just broke down a wall culturally and said, hey, guess what? (laughs) Women and men... We can all work together. 
wouldn't say Jesus is a feminist, but maybe I would. But he makes this important moment, in this moment, as Martha's saying, okay, well, no, get her back in. Look at all I'm doing. And what is she doing? She's just listening to you. She's just learning from you. She's just being your disciple. And so Jesus replies, Martha, Martha. The Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. That's a pretty strong statement. Mary is doing something she should not be doing, and Jesus says, no, that's the best thing she could be doing, learning from me. What a significant statement. So there's the cultural reality of Jesus just elevated the status of this woman, but all women in general, to a level that they were not given in the first century world. But there's also the reality of Jesus says, hey, I see how busy you are, and yeah, it's going to be great, and I can't wait to eat, but actually, better than what you were doing was following me, being my disciple. Better than being busy to do everything for everybody else, better than, you know, working every Sunday at church and, you know, leading a small group and leading Sunday school and making coffee for people and, you know, going and sorting the food on Friday nights. And better than doing all those things is sitting at my feet. The best thing, the one thing, he says, is to be his disciple. Does that mean you don't do anything? That sounds attractive for some, maybe not for others. No, it doesn't. But it just says that the most important thing is to be with Jesus. And while you're with Jesus, you listen and you learn with Jesus. Be his disciple. So when you have a life that becomes centered around something, Jesus, it makes everything else kind of fall into orbit. And so Jesus as he's in this moment, says, you know, you've got a lot of things to worry about, but the best thing is me and being with me. The text in the NIV, which we read from, says that Mary was distracted. Have you ever been distracted? Maybe right now you're distracted. Maybe there's a moment, maybe if you're online at home and like there's a cat, I know this happens in my home, and the cat is just being, well, a cat, and you're distracted. Or maybe it's here. Maybe, you know, you hear a noise, and you're like, I wonder what that is. Or maybe you're looking at me and being like, wow, how can he have such a wonderful beard that's so distracting? And, you know, you have all these things that come up, and we get distracted. You go to work, and you get distracted. Maybe you're distracted by work. Maybe work is the distraction. Maybe it's just Netflix. Maybe it's food. Maybe it's being busy. Most of us get distracted because there's so much going on. There's so much going on in our daily lives. There's so much going on in the world that it's easy to get so overwhelmed by all of it that we just take five seconds with everything that we never really focus on anything. And Jesus says, yeah, there's a lot to think about. There's a lot to be busy with. 
But there's one thing that really matters sitting at my feet. Do our distractions prevent us from sitting at Jesus' feet? Do our distractions, which might not be that bad, there's nothing wrong with what Martha is doing. She's making food. She's showing hospitality. Good things. But do our distractions, maybe our own making food, maybe our own caring for our kids, maybe our own jobs, maybe our own schoolwork, whatever it might be, good things, but do they take our focus away from Jesus? Here's the thing. In Mary and Martha's home, the food would have been made. It might just be a little bit later if both of them were sitting at his feet. When we sit at the feet of Jesus, when we choose to be disciples, it doesn't mean that all those distractions go away. It doesn't mean the responsibilities go away. It just means instead of being your focus, Jesus is your focus. And all those things come into the right place when he is the focus. So when you're in a house, in your relationship with Jesus, there's a meal to be made. There are friends to have over. What does it look like? What room are you in? If you're in this story of Martha and Mary, are you at Jesus' feet or are you just busy with stuff? Where are you? Where do you fit in? Where do you want to be? In Martha and Mary's story, think about it. How would Martha have felt to be told this by Jesus? How would you have felt to be told this by Jesus? Maybe you are someone, maybe you are someone who has gone to church for a very long time, and you do a lot of things. You know, you give your tithe, you know, your, your regular offering, you pray a lot, you read your Bible a lot, you help out in Sunday school, you help out in audiovisual, you help out in, you know, cleaning up and snow removal. You do all kinds of things. You make coffee. And imagine one day you're doing all those things, and Jesus says, why aren't you hanging out with me? Why are you so busy that you're not taking time to be with me? I'd be hurt. I'd be like, but I'm doing all this stuff. And you're there, and it's really for you, but it's not being with him. And so it's easy for me, personally, to be stuck in the kitchen thinking I'm with Jesus, making the meal, and forget to be sitting down and eating a meal with him and experiencing the storytelling and the hope and the love that he gives. So where are you in this story? So I've got three questions to ask you. First is, where are you in the house? Honestly, maybe you're not in the house. Maybe you're on the street, and that's okay. You're like, I do not want to go in that house. I am here because somebody brought me here, and that house is ugly. I don't like the decor. Nothing about it is good. Maybe that's how you feel. That's okay. It's totally okay. But maybe you were there once, and you took a couple steps onto the front step, and you're thinking... Maybe it's not as bad as I thought, and it's starting to rain out here. Maybe I should get inside. 
Or maybe you've made it into the house. And you're like, okay, learning, I believe, just not sure if I'm ready to sit down for a meal. Or maybe you've stepped in to have that meal. Or maybe you've gone into the kitchen. Where are you? The second question is this. Where do you want to be? It's one thing to say, you know what? I am on the street. But do you want to be there? Where, do you desire to just stay out forever? If you do, okay. But maybe you're, you're in the foyer. You're in that little entrance. Maybe it's just a mudroom. We don't know. Is that where you want to stay? If you've ever been invited over to someone's home and you just stayed in the entryway, how weird would that be? Right? Do you really want to stay there? Maybe they were all watching the World Juniors and it's actually in the basement. It's not even on this board. But you just stay in the foyer and wait till it's over. Well, you just missed out. Is that really what you want to miss out on? Where do you want to be? Maybe you, you've been sitting down for that meal and you're realizing the food's running out. Do you want to go in the kitchen? Do you want to start serving? Do you want to be with Jesus in your service, not just serving for the sake of serving? Where do you want to be? Where are you and where do you want to end up? And the third thing is this, and this is an important one. And I've used this, I've said this before. Where are your feet pointed? And what I mean is this. You might be in the foyer, which isn't a bad place to be. You're like, okay, I believe in Jesus. But are you facing the door, looking to get out? You know, it's one thing to even have your head turned, but if your feet are pointed somewhere, that's the direction you're going to go to. Maybe you're on the step, but you'd really love to be sitting down for that meal. Well, are your feet pointed to the street or into the house? And that means, what are you doing to take those next steps? To move in the direction you're pointed in? Jesus is there, no doubt about it. But where are your feet going to take you? What you choose to do will make you go in whichever room you find yourself or the street. That's your choice. Each of us has that choice. So where are your feet pointed? Here's the thing. And this is the thing that I love about Jesus. There's many things to love about Jesus, so don't get me wrong. But I love this. Wherever you are is where he is. So you could be out on the street. Guess what? Jesus is going to meet you there. He might just walk beside you, never say anything. But he's there. Because one day you might want to take a step onto that front step. And he'll be there too. That's the amazing thing, is that wherever you are, Jesus is, and he will meet you there. James, the brother of Jesus, says in James 4, that when we come near to God, God comes near to us. When we choose to take steps 
in the right direction towards God, God honors that. When your feet are pointed into the house, God honors that, and he meets you there. So when you're on that front step, wondering if you're going to make it in the foyer, Jesus got his arms wide open for you, waiting, respecting, loving. Where your feet are pointed is where you'll end up. But wherever you are, Jesus is there as well, no matter your situation. When we choose to take those steps in, we choose to sit at the feet of Jesus. And when we sit at the feet of Jesus, we say, I follow you. So where you go in that house, I'll go with you. What you do, I will emulate. Who you love, which happens to be everybody, I will love. That's what it means to be Jesus-centered. It means to be led by Jesus, to accept that he is the one who guides us. It means to live and lead like Jesus, so how we live emulates that. And it means to lead other people to Jesus, sharing the story of what the difference is that Jesus makes in your life and inviting others to come in the house. Because it gets really lonely when it's just you. Today, we get the opportunity to sit at the table with Jesus in communion. In communion, for those of us who've taken those steps, got inside the house, say, I choose to sit at Jesus' feet, I choose to follow Jesus, we get to all join in at the table. We're not all there. Not all of us have stepped into the house, and that's okay. But if you have, we want to invite you to share in the meal with Jesus. And when we share in this meal, we're remembering that he died and rose again for us, for the forgiveness of our sins, and for us to have hope.